This is a podcast of the Church of Indian Lake. Patrick Henry was calling the people to fight. He was calling the people to stand up for their rights. Henry had attended a lot of the revival services that happened during the Great Awakening. So he was used to strong preaching from, in those days, the Methodists and the Presbyterian pastors who were not part of the the establishment, but they were holding revival services and they would preach with passion. And Henry had heard sermons like that. And so here he was in the church giving this passionate speech about why Virginians should stand up for their rights. And at the end of the speech, he lifted his arms and he said the words that you'll remember that you've heard. He said, give me liberty or give me death. And those words have been passed down It was passed down through word of mouth, through publications, to personify the spirit and the attitude of the colonies in those days. And it was that speech and other speeches like that 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 really started this revolution that became the United States of America. We've been talking about American men, and I'm going to refer, I'm going to talk to the men today, but women, God will speak to you too. So know that I'm not leaving you out when I say that. But our premise is this, is that, yes, there have been great American men, but the greatest American men are still alive today. The greatest American men still are breathing. In fact, the greatest American men are right here in this room. With God's help, we can be great and powerful men of God. But what I want to talk to you about today is something every great man has, and that is conviction. Great men are men of conviction. Patrick Henry had strong convictions that caused him to say with passion and to cause him to say with great courage, give me liberty or give me death. And God used those words to to help galvanize a people. And those words uh, help inspire people. And so there's something about a man speaking something with conviction that has incalculable power. When there's something we believe to the core of our being, something within us that we believe in the cause, we believe in the timing, and we say something at just the right time, God can use our words in incredible ways. You see, to be a person of conviction, you have to understand that there's a sovereign God. There's a sovereign God at work. And when you're in step with the Holy Spirit and you're in step with him, And you understand his word and you understand his principles and you understand his character. There's going to be something inside of you that makes you be a man of conviction. And to understand that today, I want us to look at four different, four different aspects of conviction. To be a man of conviction, you need to understand a few things. And the first thing I want you to understand as a man of conviction, you're in the right place. You're in the right place. I want you to turn to Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. We find this incredible scripture, starting in verse 26. From one man, he, being God, made every nation a man, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the times set for them. And, I underlined this part, the exact places where they should live. God did this. Going to the next slide. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he's not far from each one of us. Look at verse 26 again. 
the exact places. God determined the exact places. I want you to know something today. Men of conviction, God has strategically placed you somewhere. You are at the right location. You might not be the place you prefer. You might not be at the place you thought you'd be. You might not be in the place of your choice, but you have to trust that you serve a God who's put you at just the right place. I grew up in Irving, Texas. Lived there 20 years of my life. Then I went to college in Olathe, Kansas. And then I moved to Madison, Tennessee. You may have heard of it. Back to Frisco, Texas. Then I worked in Gallatin and lived in Hendersonville. And I've lived in Hendersonville now for nine years. You see, God, God moved in all those places. When Jesus had a ministry here on earth, it was in specific cities. He, he was born in Nazareth. And then he, he lived in Egypt for a time. We forget that. And Jesus was in Bethany, his hometown. Tyre and Sidon. Jerusalem, every place, every place Jesus was at, God was unfolding his story. He was revealing his will. He was revealing who he was. And I want you to know something. God is revealing himself through the place that you're at. You might be a college student. You might be here in Middle Tennessee seasonally. You might be somewhere else seasonally. You might be in a place that you don't necessarily consider home. But God wants you to know that he has determined your location. It might have been that a job gets you here and you feel like your boss determined your location. It might have been that you quit a job and came here because you liked aspect of, uh, of this area of Middle Tennessee. Despite all of those circumstances that lead us to the place, we need to realize something. As men of conviction, we're at the place we're supposed to be right now at this moment. Here in the summer, maybe you're wishing you were at somewhere that was cooler and, and the, the weather was more temperate. Uh, maybe you didn't choose to be here, but God has you here. And I want you to understand this because your life and your faith is unfolding in a specific place. Because you contextualize your life. Meaning this, is that wherever you live helps determine your convictions. Wherever you're at, the problems that are in your community, the issues in your neighborhood, the things your church is going through and you're growing through are all part of your story. It's part of who you are. God is sovereign. God is providential. Uh, This whole thing's not an accident. There, There is something happening beyond your preference or choice. There's a trust. There's an understanding that God has you at just the right place. God is moving. He is moving in your Nazareth. He is moving in your Egypt. He is moving through your Bethany. He is moving. My places of faith, Irving, Olathe, Madison, Gallatin, Hendersonville, Frisco. Those were the places. Those are the places where I'm growing in my faith, where I'm becoming more like Christ, where I'm having my character developed, where I'm in community, where I'm learning how to follow the spirit. My story is unfolding in a specific place. Your story's in a specific place. And God cares about that. God cares about the geography of your life. I believe that to the core of who I am. And that helps determine our convictions. We have the, um, the opportunity, sometimes it's an advantage, and sometimes it's a disadvantage, to be globally connected. 
And if you've been around me at any time, you know that I care very much about what's happening around the world. I care very much about what's happening, especially in the third world. And there's different aspects of the world my heart is drawn to. But it doesn't change the fact that even though we should care, and even though we are aware, it doesn't change the fact that you and I are here right now. We're here right now. We are at this place. This is the place God's called us to. This is the place that we're stewarding. This is the place that, that he has placed us. And it's out of our neighborhoods and our cities and our region, our convictions come. We care about the things our neighbors care about. We care about the things our fellow church members care about. And I want to encourage you to don't live in the land of dissatisfaction. Where you're always dissatisfied about where you're at. And you're never happy with your location. And you're never happy with your place. Instead, get in step with the rhythm of what God's doing among the people you live with. Among your community. And your community can be the people you work with. And it could be as broad as this whole Middle Tennessee region. But the fact is this. Is that what affects others around you affects you. And the impact you make impacts others. And God determined that. We are people led by the Spirit. And to be people of conviction, we have to have our place. For Patrick Henry, it was Virginia. At that time, you know, he didn't speak out against other issues that were happening in that day because he wasn't even aware of them. He didn't know. All he knew, all he knew is that at that day in 1775, that when he was there at his place with his people, that it was time for him to speak something With conviction from the core of his heart. But conviction comes when we're established in a certain place. I just want to tell you this. I I want to challenge you this. Love the place you're at. Just because you love the place you're at doesn't mean you're going to be there forever. That's one of the fallacies we have. We're afraid if I give my heart to this, then God's going to stick me here forever. I think it's the other way around. You might be in an apartment right now and you wish you were in a house So every time you're in that apartment, you despise that apartment. You talk bad about that apartment. You dread going into that apartment. How in the world will God ever give you the house you want if you can't love the apartment you have now? Love what you have today so God can prepare you for what he has tomorrow. Love the car you drive. Love the people you go to church with. We're we're so critical. We're always looking for the worst in each other. Why don't we look for the best in one another so we can value the place we have now? Because we are people of conviction and the things we really believe about to the core of our being come from a place. My convictions, I can trace my convictions back to a place, back to a church, back to a city, back to a mentor, back to a conversation. Conviction is birthed out of place. But it's not just about place either. See, you're not just the right place. This is the right time for you too. You're a man of conviction. And I want to tell you something. This is your time. This is your time, men. Some of us, we mistakenly think, well, I wish I was born in a different generation. I'm misplaced. I I, I should have been alive in the 1800s. I should have been alive in the 1920s, back when the preachers actually wore a suit and didn't preach in blue jeans. It's a lot better then. You know, we we have this tendency to, to... think that we were supposed to be in another generation. I just want to say this. We can draw strength from the past generation. Things like manners. That's a good thing. I, I would agree we, we, could ha- we should have more manners. We should have more civility. And we can look back to previous generations and draw from their strength. 
But I want to tell you, none of you are yesterday's man. None of you are, are, in a, are misplaced in a wrong generation. Men, this is your time. This is your time. God could have chose for you to be alive in the 1500s or the 1700s, but you're here in the 21st century. 2012 is your year. It's your time. This is the right time for you. You're not misplaced. God doesn't make accidents. He didn't put you uh, and, and choose the wrong year. You are at the right place at the right time. When you understand that, then you're a person of conviction. That helps you become a person of conviction. That helps you understand that your giftings. And your personality and your demeanor and your influence was meant for such a time as now. For this is your time. Esther, God used her in a specific way. Her people were on the verge of genocide. They were on the verge of annihilation. And uh, God gave her influence and put her in the king's palace. And she had access to the king when nobody else did. And you'll see with me in Esther chapter 4. As Mordecai was talking to her, he, said, he, he gave her some advice. And Mordecai, Mordecai, this is Esther chapter 4, verse 13, told them to reply to Esther, Do not think to yourself that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. And who knows? Whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. That was a question asked in the rest of the book of answer. Uh, excuse me, the rest of the book of Esther answers the question. Mordecai was right. She was born for such a time as this. She was in the right generation. She was at the right place. And it was the right time for her to have maximum impact. Living her life, we're not sure what her psychological demeanor was. We, don't, we, don't, we are not sure what struggles she was having. We're not sure all the details that led up to this. But we know this, at the right time when her people needed her and her God needed her, the question said, have you not come to the kingdom for such a time as this? And she answered the question, yes, with her courage. When she stood up for her people to the king. I want to tell you, men... This is your time. This is your time. Some of you might mistakenly think, my time has passed. I'm now in my 60s or my 70s, and when I was younger and had more influence, I could have made an impact. No, your time is right now. You can't do anything about yesterday. Today's all you have. Men in your 20s, you are men. You're not a boy. You're not a child. You're not a playboy. You're a man of God. It's time for you to be a man. It's time for you to say, this is my time. This is my season. This is my calling. I'm going to be a man of God because I am at the right place and this is the right time. My God is sovereign. My God is wise. My God made me and he made the times. And I am going to be everything he wants me to be because this is my time. God has called me here. I know that God is doing a stirring in this church right now. This is the time for the men in our church. It's time for the men in our church. I mean, we're on the edge, guys. We're on the edge. And I'm going to tell you, every one of you is needed. We need every one of your leadership. We need every one of you to assert your personality and your involvement and your participation because we'll be less of the body God's called us to be if one man shrinks back. If one man doesn't give the best that he can give, I understand all of us, all of us have limitations. We all have 
work limitations and schedule limitations and all the different excuses we can make. But we have something to give. We have something to give. Every one of us has a best. And your best might be different than my best or might be different than someone on the other side of the auditorium. But all of us have something to give. Don't give me that excuse. I can't give 100%. I'm not going to give anything. You know, you have a 100%. Let God decide what that is. Let me tell you something. No act of service done in love and submission to the Lord is a small thing. Everything you can do to contribute, to advance your family and advance this church and advance the kingdom of God makes a difference. Your, your participation in a Bible study makes a huge difference. I'm telling you, just showing up makes a huge difference. You ask that to Kenny. Ask that to Jay. Ask that to to um, Lee and to Tim Perry. I mean, they're showing up. They're preparing these messages. And if you show up, can I tell you what an encouragement that is to them and to us and to the church? Listen, guys, it's your time. This is your time. For such a time as this, the years are going by fast. And the, the excuse to say, well, I've got all this potential. I'll get around to giving God my best someday. Come on, that's, that's a lie from the enemy. Today is your day to give God the best. Your best effort. Your best focus. The most love you can possibly give. See, and this, this isn't just about institutional advancement at the church. Because where it's at is at the home. It's at the home. That's where it starts. That's where it starts, men. That's where it starts. There's nothing greater you can do in your life than to lead your home. There's nothing greater you can do than to give attention to your home. This is your time. This is your time. It doesn't matter what's happened in the past. All you can do is change today. Change today. Because there is something, there's something great God's doing. It's the right place. It's the right time. But here's the third observation. It's the right cause. The right cause. What made, what made Patrick Henry's words so meaningful, so poignant, and so, so effective, so powerful is that the cause meant something. The cause was greater than Patrick Henry. The issue was bigger than him. And so his words just added fuel to the fire that had already started. I want to tell you something, men. There is a cause that we have not tapped into fully. A cause greater than we can imagine. It's the cause of Christ. It's the advancement of the kingdom. There is nothing more significant than your children, your grandchildren... Your, your nieces, your nephews, than them having a vibrant, loving relationship with Jesus Christ. Nothing matters in comparison to that. It, it doesn't. Nothing matters in comparison to that. That is everything. What does it profit a boy to make the NFL but to lose his soul? What does it profit? What does it profit a girl to be a UCA cheerleader but to lose her soul? What does it profit them? Nothing. Now, you know that I I believe in civic activities and civic participation and extracurricular activities. My kids attend public school and they're involved in community events. I'm not speaking against opportunity. I'm speaking against a lack of priority. God is first. God is first in our families. Man, he's calling you to make him first. You have to make him first. And it will, it will permeate through your whole family. You know, at, at the beginning, when you begin to make God first, your family might not be used to it. They may not be, they may not be cheering you on. 
They might not understand that you're, you're bringing culture change to your home. You're bringing culture change to your family. And sometimes, I know this has happened through talking with men and, and counseling families, that sometimes initial persecution for standing up for Christ can happen in your own home. But if you're faithful, you're not there to win the approval of your wife or your children above your God. If you're faithful to what your God says, and if you are a man of conviction, and you join Joshua, who said, I don't know about any other family, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. You know, it might not, you might not get the applause at the beginning, and you might not be cheered on at the beginning, but a man of conviction, who is at the right place, at the right time, behind the right cause, will make a difference. And at the end, his children and his wife will stand up publicly and call him blessed, because he's following God's ways. I'm telling you, man, we have the right cause. That's why 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, it gives us this insight. It says, we are ambassadors for Christ. We're ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. That's 2 Corinthians 5, 20. God's making his appeal through us. I want you to know something. Ambassadors are chosen. Ambassadors are chosen. The sovereign... Whoever sovereign, the king, they choose someone to represent the kingdom to another country. Now notice it says we are ambassadors for Christ. Okay? You don't have a choice in it. You, men, you represent Christ to this world. You represent Christ to your world. You represent Christ to your wife. You represent Christ to your kids. You represent Christ to your co-workers. You are his ambassador. You are the one making the appeal. You are the one sending the message. And here's the truth. You, there's, not a, there's not a sideline here. Okay, there's not an option here. It's not, well, I might be Christ's ambassador uh, or I might not. Or you can't say, well, yeah, Brian's Christ's ambassador and ought, but I'm not. They do a good job. They represent Christ for us. I'm not going to represent him. No, you don't have a choice. You either are representing him well or representing him poorly. That's it. But you're representing him one way or the other. And so when you and your, your co-workers are trying to get you to go to a place that you know doesn't glorify God and is going to be a pathway to sin, you're Christ ambassador when you don't participate. You say, not for me. Not for me. It doesn't mean you have to preach. It doesn't mean you have to get out the Bible right there. You can if you want to. But simply living your convictions. Living your convictions you can live your convictions without speaking a word. Some of you aren't verbal. Some of you'd scare yourself. You'd be scared at this point. Or maybe you'll never get to a point where you're going to give this overt verbal thing. Bless God, I'm not going there because I'm a child of the king and I'm redeemed. And, and the Lord has, has adopted me in this family, so I'm not going with you. Yeah, you're not going to say it that way. But your, your silent obedience is an ambassador for Christ. You're speaking for Christ. You're behind the right cause. You're behind the right cause. You represent Christ to your family. You represent Christ to your co-workers. You represent Christ to the world around you. Men of conviction. Men of conviction. You have something to say because you believe in your heart. The greatest message there is. And that's in verse 21. This is the message in verse 21. For our sake, he being Jesus, made him... To be sin 
who knew no sin, that's Jesus, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Is that not a beautiful scripture? For our sake, God, he, God, made him, Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That is the cause we have. That's why we're men of conviction. We're not men of religion. In the sense of we're not propagating the name of a church. We're not propagating the name of a denomination. We're not propagating uh, any, any kind of earthly cause. We are speaking for a specific person. A man who has become sin for the world because he's fully God. And that is the cause that we have. It's the right place. It's the right time. It's the right cause. And this Just like Patrick Henry, you're going to have the right words. God's going to give you the right words. Now, there's two ways to look at this. The right words are going to come on a daily basis. I believe that. You know, for some of us who are very verbal, the right words might mean that sometimes we need to be quiet. Because if you are married to a preacher, or your dad is a preacher, um, my family can tell you this, that there's times they don't want me to give a three-point sermon. All right. Thank you so much, all of you who come and listen to me preach on Sundays. But on Monday night, my family doesn't want to hear me preach. They they want me to listen. So part, part of me saying the right words sometimes is reducing my words. And at the right time, God will help me speak the correct words. We were blessed in recent days to get a new dining room table. It, it, was, it was long overdue. Not to demean the table we had before, but that table had survived three toddlers spilling milk and juice. And it, it was just not in the best shape possible. The Lord blessed us. We were able to get this new table. Beautiful new table. Beautiful new table. We love it. My mother-in-law was in town, and on that table she took a... A bowl, and Beth had bought a lot of fresh fruit, and she got the bananas and the grapes and the apples and all that. And I, I was watching her as she was arranging all the fruit, and she asked me, she said, after she was done, she said, Aaron, what do you think? What do you think about the table? Well, I knew she wasn't talking about the table. She was talking about the fruit bowl. And it just added some humanity to the table. It added warmth and love and fruitfulness, and it sent such a message. I think that every art student who's taken Art 101 has started with painting a bowl of fruit. There's just something universal about that. A bowl of fruit sends this message. And in Proverbs chapter 25, in U version it says Psalms 25, and I apologize for that mistake, but the scripture this, it says, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and a setting of silver. A lot of people think that might have been apricots or oranges in the silver bowl. Maybe it was a gold-plated apples. Whatever it specifically meant to the original author, we all know what the message is. A fitting word spoken is a good thing. It's beautiful. It's valuable. It's becoming. It's, it's homey. It's welcoming. A fitting word. And I want to tell you, men of conviction, men of conviction, On a daily basis, God, by his spirit, is going to help you have a fitting word. He's going to help you 
give the right word at the right time out of conviction. Sometimes it's, it's a word that's counterculture, and it's standing up for something that maybe even your own family members don't agree with at the time. But we're here to win the approval of men. Excuse me, the approval of God, not the approval of men. Sometimes the fitting word might be, and I think often will be this, an encouraging word of love that only, only a man, only a man can give that word of encouragement in the right way. But I'm going to tell you, a word fitly spoken is a good thing. It's like apples of gold in a setting of silver. It's something good. There's something powerful when a man speaks the right word at the right time. And on a daily basis, that's going to happen. But I also believe this, that beyond just a daily word, that there are some special moments coming in your life. I don't know when it's going to be for you. I don't know if it's going to be this year. I don't know if it's going to be next decade. I don't know what the context is. You might be in a leadership meeting. You might be at a situation. You might be on a church board or you might be part of a, of a co-op at your, your office. You might be part of a, a cause that you don't even know about yet. An opportunity might come when you least suspect it. And you're going to speak out of the conviction in your heart. Because you're at the right place, at the right time, behind the right cause. And your words are going to be fitting. And it's going to be good. And just like Patrick Henry's phrase, give me liberty or give me death, had great, great influence over a people. Your words are going to have great influence over a people. And God is preparing you for that, men. He's preparing you for such a moment as this. He's making you a man of conviction. So it's going to come quickly. It's going to be fitting. You'll never know when it's going to happen, but it's going to make a huge difference. My dad was a, a, a godly man, took me to church, but our relationship was, was by and large based off sports and politics and things of that nature. But I remember in college I encountered a, a tough situation I did not know how to respond to. And over the phone, I remember telling him about that situation. And it was like the tone of his voice changed. And he began to give me some advice that still is sticking with me right now to this moment. Because there was something powerful about a man who gave a word out of conviction. Yeah, he wasn't perfect, but neither am I. Men, you're not perfect. You're not perfect. But God wants to be very clear about something today. You're the right person for your spouse because you're going to be able to speak into your spouse's life like no other person can. You're the right person for your child. You're the right person for your grandchild. You're the right person for that special friend in your life. God has arranged you for such a time as this. Right place, right time, right cause. He'll give you the right words. It's a lie when we begin to think someone else Someone else could give better advice. I wish someone else would speak into her life or into his life. No. No one is more qualified to speak to that person in your life than you are. Because God has chosen you to be in their life. No one's more qualified. Doesn't matter if you're an introvert or an extrovert. Doesn't matter if you have verbal skills or if you stutter and have a hard time getting words out right. Your heart will speak. Your heart will speak. Out of your heart, 
conviction will flow. You're a man of God. You're a man of conviction. You serve a God who has you at the right place at the right time, the right cause, and you are going to speak the right words. Your word's going to end the war. It's going to end the conflict. There's a war around some of you. There's a conflict around you. And God is needing a man to step up, to step in, and to say through the power of Jesus, peace be still. No more of the silly conflict, the silly fighting, this pettiness. A man needs to step in. A man of conviction needs to step in and say, enough. We, we are going to be a family of peace. God needs you to step in. God needs you to step in. Values have drifted in families. Convictions have drifted. What God needs is a man to say, no longer, no longer. He's first. He's first. I don't care what the consequences are. He's going to be first. He's going to be first. That's what he's going to do. Let's pray about this. Thank you for listening to the podcast of the Church of Indian Lake. 